Blog Talk Radio. Good morning or afternoon for some of you folks. Uh, this is this is uh, Sam Maxwell, and you are here with the Bedford and Sullivan Podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And today we are not focusing on the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, as I happen to be out here uh, in San Francisco. Just saw the Mets get swept by the uh, the San Francisco Giants, and uh, if you're sensing a little bit less uh, animosity in my voice, that's because it is no longer the series and they can just get out of town. And on, on a little small Mets note, I would like to just see it burn right now because I think they need a, a coaching cleansing. But anyway, um, I would like to bring on, uh, obviously, the New York Giants Preservation Society has been uh, a wonderful friend of the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, and uh, we have a member uh, who has never been on the show, and we uh, welcome him for the first time. It's Jersey-born Rich Rogers. How you doing? I'm doing fine, Sam. Uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, and thank you for joining us today. And uh, as we always ask uh, first-timers on the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, if you could just give us a rundown of your, uh, your general history as well as your baseball history. Uh, certainly. Uh, I, as you said, I am a Jersey boy. I was born and raised uh, in New Jersey, and uh, that's where, uh, from my dad and from my grandfather, as with many fans, I inherited my interest in the, the New York Giants, uh, later to become the San Francisco Giants. Um, I did all my schooling back in New Jersey, including uh, graduating from uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University in Madison, uh, where I played ball, Division Three. And uh, made my way eventually to uh, Phoenix at uh, age 27. And, in fact, baseball played a role in that. Uh, a friend of mine that I had played ball with for many years lived in Los Angeles. So I visited uh, he and his wife. And it was during the time of spring training, which, of course, is a beautiful time of year here in uh, Phoenix. And uh, we came out to see the Giants in spring training. Well, I, I immediately fell in love with Phoenix and determined that uh, that's where I wanted to live. So I picked up and moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I've been here ever since, made my career in the aerospace business and uh, have remained following the Giants, and it helps to have them here in spring training in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, to maintain sure. the interest. But um, um, that, that's a general history. As far as following uh, the New York Giants, my, first, my grandfather, who, as a boy, lived in New York and swept out the old wooden polo grounds back at the turn of the 20th century um, in return for, and he, he, he and other boys would sweep out the wooden bleachers in return for free admission to the games. And so he had many stories of Christy Mathewson and Larry Doyle and, and many of the other uh, very fine ball players under John McGraw. Uh, and he also, coincidentally, um, he originated in Bay Ridge. He was very familiar with the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers of Washington Park. So he talked about the left-handed pitcher, Knapp Rucker, who a few of your Brooklyn fans uh-huh. may, may recall, and the pitching duels between Christy Mathewson and Knapp Rucker, which uh, Christy usually came out on top because he had a superior team. Look, my grandfather had uh, lots and lots of baseball stories, as did my dad, who first started going to the Giants games at the Polo Grounds in the 1930s. And uh, that, uh, by osmosis, uh, filtered on to me. So I really had no choice uh, but to become a, an orange and black uh, devotee. 
it's something I've been saying all weekend as a Mets fan is how secure the Giants franchise is in their franchise hood. Uh, you can just see it walking around the ballpark. You can see it the way they're, they're playing right now. Um, and that's, you know, I think that you guys have really hit, uh, uh, you know, after so many years of, of Rocky uh, championship less baseball in San Francisco, the, the Giants seem to have finally hit their stride out here. And they do a wonderful job. Uh, honoring and celebrating the entire history of the ball team. And it, it's really a wonderful thing. And, and you could hear uh, just me being a Mets fan where they currently are, how insecure, uh, excuse me, how insecure they are as a franchise. Uh, it, it's, it's slightly envious, but I know that, uh, you know, every franchise has to go through their own, uh, their own timeline, you know, talking about the old Gi- giants and Dodgers. I mean, their first, their first 50 years giants were, obviously a lot more successful than the Dodgers, but you think about the Dodgers' first 50 years of, of existence, it wasn't exactly the, uh, uh, you know, certainly wasn't the luckiest of 50 years. But um, when it comes to the, the modern Giants, you being in Phoenix, you basically sometimes being an hour behind, sometimes being on time. Uh, ha- ha- do you have the MLB package? Are you, are you following them daily, uh, watching them daily? I don't watch them daily uh, because I'm I'm active in a lot of other ways, but uh, I certainly follow them daily, and um, the majority of my life uh, I always have. And uh, I'd like to make an observation here, um, mm-hmm. which of course you and, and other Dodger fans from Brooklyn are, are very familiar with. But when the Dodgers left Brooklyn, there was a lot of bitterness, and uh, I could mm-hmm. understand why uh, a lot of the Brooklyn fans would want to wash their hands of, of uh, the Dodgers, and I understood the animosity towards Walter O'Malley. Conversely, uh, and certainly using my own family uh, as a measuring stick and, and other neighbors and friends who were Giant fans, there was not that bitterness when the Giants left. I mean, certainly uh, my family was not happy about it, but... There was no bitterness, and there was no question that even though they moved 3,000 miles away to San Francisco, we were all going to remain Giants fans. And, in fact, um, with the lack of National League Baseball for a while in New York, uh, when the Giants would come into Philadelphia, old Connie Mack Stadium, we would go down there, and there would be many Giant fans in Connie Mack Stadium. Um, when the Giants came into town, and it was primarily to to see Willie Mays because he was the connection to to the New York era. Uh, But then uh, fortunately, the New York Mets were formed, and they they played their first two years in the polo grounds, of course. And we would go to a game at, at least every series in 1962 and 1963, and there was just no bitterness. My, my family and, and friends rooted for the Giants as if they had never moved. They were still our team. And for many years, when the Mets were first formed, when you went to a Giants-Mets game, there were many, many more Giants fans in the crowd than there were Mets fans. Hmm. It, it yeah. really wasn't until the Mets put together a very good team with Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman, and that wonderful pitching staff in 1969 that really turned that around. Um, and then when, when Willie Mays was traded to the Mets, which I don't even like to talk about, um, and then retired, um, then uh, the crowds became certainly uh, fully behind the Mets. Uh, that is something as a Mets fan that I, I really appreciate is that Willie Mays finished his career back in New York. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry that you don't want to talk about it, but I, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, <laughs> 
I said I didn't like it, but now, I, I certainly would talk about it. Right, of course. Well, it's just it, it, it was fitting. You know, Joan was obviously still around. Joan Payton, who, who eventually died. And I was just saying recently that you, if you want to really, uh, if if you want to show the fan base that you know who you are, uh, erect three statues outside of City Field: Tom Seaver, Joan Payton, and Marvelous Marv Throneberry. That way, I, I I will figure out that you are secure with your franchise, Will Ponds. But anyway, well, uh, maybe maybe Choo Choo Coleman, the old catcher too. Exactly, exactly. Get Al Jackson out there as well. I mean, it, it, it just, you, you want to see, they seem to be just uncomfortable with, with uh, whereas the fans are very, are very comfortable with who they are and who the Mets are. Uh, the current ownership just doesn't seem to understand what, what it, it means to be a New York Met and, and you know, the good and the bad uh, withstanding. So, um, but anyway, well, and that, and I don't that's unfortunate off, uh, because too much of a Mets tangent. No, that, that's okay. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate because, you know, I, I was still back east uh, during the, the heyday of the Mets, the Tom Seaver era, and, and the years after that, immediately after that, where I can remember a time where the Mets were the ball team in town, and it was not the Yankees. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, but uh, uh, when, when the Mets started in the polo grounds, uh, enormous enthusiasm was generated for them. And then they, when they moved into Shea Stadium, Shea Stadium would routinely sell out, and the Yankees would have 15,000 right. fans. And uh, if, if you well, wanted to I be think, you in know, the, the, big, in the, the crowd, thing, you, you had to be a Mets fan. If you, if you looked at 1958, the Yankees' uh, attendance went down. So That is absolutely uh, correct. That's saying, that's saying a lot. Right? What yep, that's that absolutely correct. People, people think I'm kidding when I tell them Yankee attendance went down when the Giants and Dodgers moved out, but it's true. You can right. look it up. Yeah, and it's just it's, I think that says a lot. And uh, Greg Prince of Faith and Certain Flushing, who is also a member of the New York Giants Preservation Society, uh, he was on a podcast, uh, I, I believe a couple ago. It might have been last week, but I, it's, I, my life's been all over the place. But uh, he <laughs> mentioned that if you put, you know, if you're just some Midwestern team or, or in the middle of, like, in Nebraska or something like that, um, you know, it, it's pretty unprecedented the, the distance between two major league ball teams in the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets and just that, the, the general distance, uh, you know, of the city. Um, you know, if, if, if any, anywhere else in the country, um, you'd basically be, you'd most likely be Philadelphia Phillies fans if you were an hour and a half to two hours out into the state, um, and so it, it is. It's you know it, it is a bit a peculiar uh, set of circumstances that lead to, to the the kind of dynamic Philadelphia and New York has. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, going transitioning back to the Giants and, and using the Mets as a, a jumping off point, you mentioned about sure. the Giants being. Uh, back in you know the old Polo Grounds and, and uh, Shea Stadium, it used to be the majority of Giants fans. You guys travel really well, and the, unless things drastically turn around for the New York Mets, I have a feeling that we could see something similar with the way you guys travel in groups, the San Francisco Giants fans, coming up when the Giants come into City Field. Yeah, I could see that happening. They just they need a consistent winner again. And you're right that the, the the Mets organization. Of course, I, I'm far removed from them now. I've been I've been out west here for 34 years, so I, I'm not really in touch 
uh, currently with, with the Mets other than what I read and what I hear. But uh, I do, just like you, I get a sense that they don't really appreciate or understand the meaning of, of uh, honoring their history. And fortunately yeah. with the Giants, we've got, got uh, leadership like Peter McGowan and Larry Bear who, who are from New York or uh, are affiliated with New York and haven't forgotten the Giants' roots. And, and rather than ignore it, uh, they, they not only don't ignore it, they celebrate it. And for those of us who go back to the New York years, that is deeply appreciated and helps gain our loyalty. Exactly, and they certainly obviously rec- uh, recognize the kind of foundation they still have back in New York. Now, now with that, I'd like to bring somebody on who uh, is, is a, you know, has been a longtime friend of the podcast and uh, has been on a few times himself, and that is New York Giants Pres- Preservation Society member Steve Rothschild. Welcome back, Steve. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing great, Steve. All right, all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm just. I just listened. Got so, the last couple of sentences that that Rich was talking about the bringing back history. Last week, I had a couple of phone conversations, and Rich is aware of that with the retail people at AT and T Park because they, for some reason, stopped putting New York stuff in the store, and the guy guaranteed me that they did, and it's going to be back. And I was there when they didn't have any, so. Yeah, well, we're hoping to get some retail stuff back in the store. Did you get to the store this weekend, Sam? The giant uh, you know, it's store? funny that you should. It's funny that you should say that because I did make it to the store, and uh, we were trying to look for uh, a New York Giants hat that my mom could wear because she was wearing her San Francisco Giants hat with my orange Mets shirt that I had worn the day before, and we were trying mm. to to make it even more New York, uh, but apparently they said it was sold out. It had been sold out earlier in the season, well, so. You know, it's, it's interesting oh. that you're saying that they had taken the New York stuff out because they said it was sold out, and I took that as, as just being a very popular item. Well, that's what the guy was telling me, sold out, but it's, I mean, I've been sending emails out to the to the crew this week, and they, they said their stuff is on its way, so I have another friend that's going to be there for the Dodgers series in July, and if the stuff's not in the store, then I'm going to hit the roof, I'm going I'm going to go to the next level. Well, if you, anyway, um, you can hear it in you my must voice. Have you can hear it in my there. voice. I mean, not because yeah, you can hear it in my voice that I. You can hear it in my voice that I did enjoy the weekend. Uh, I, I'm certainly a little, um, it, mainly Saturday night because there was an entire section of Met fans uh, in section 307 uh, in in blue shirts. Uh, the seven 307 line, up here, just beyond first base. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I want to give the yeah, seven well, line a quick you know, plug because sorry, Darren Meenan of uh, the seven line, the Darren Meenan of the seven line sells uh, 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 fan based T-shirts of of the New York Mets, and um, he has done a great job with the T-shirts as well as, as doing these road trips with su- with something called the Seven Line Army. So the entire section with Mets fans, and we we were certainly uh, you know let our presence be shown. Um, I didn't come out out there with them. But uh, I did find my way to the section, and, and because uh, you know, if, if on Sunday I wasn't as loud because I wasn't surrounded by Met fans, but it, it was quite the uh, uh, it was unfortunate for me that uh, they walked off the way they did, but um, uh, fortunate for you that they did. And you guys are you guys are currently uh, uh, Steve well, the best. We're waiting, uh, the best for, we're waiting for the hammer to fall. That's we're waiting for the hammer the hammer to fall. <laughs> doing what you did. This weekend is something that I'm sure Rich, well, maybe not Rich as much as me because he's been out here in Arizona longer, but 
I mean, how many times I used to go to either the Polo Grounds or Shea Stadium. I remember the last time I was in Shea Stadium, my wife and my kids, and we left in the seventh inning to a chorus of booze in the mezzanine section because we were all dressed out in Giants gear. You know, back in 2001, there weren't that many Giants fans going to Met Games even when the Giants came in. It wasn't like in the, you know, the early, early years. That photo you have on, this, on the uh, webpage this morning that, that you took near the Marichal statue on the wall, I mean, that's a mm-hmm. great shot with all that New York, old New York stuff on there, the dates. Thank you. Great, great picture. Sam, I'd like to ask you. Sam, I'd like to ask you. I want to hear about that Gotham Club. I want to hear about that Gotham Club. You must have been The Gotham amazed. Club, I, I, and to all, to all you listeners out there, the Gotham Club is, uh, I would certainly say exclusive based off of the, the amount of members that belong to it. It is an exclusive club in the uh, in AT&T Park. And uh, it has uh, a pool hall, uh, a bowling alley, uh, and and pictures of um, just uh, it, it's the Gotham Club of 1980 of 1883, and uh, the first name of the New York Giants was the New York Gotham, and so there's a lot of old time pictures all around. And the old time picture that fascinated me the most, you guys, was Babe Ruth in a giant uniform next to John McGraw. And it was, it was, it's like, how did this happen? When did this, when could this picture have been taken? And it was taken in an exhibition game in uh, now, now, 1923. I just yeah. found the same, I found the picture he's talking about, I think, but it's not McGraw. It's Dunn and Bentley. Does that picture ring a bell? Not that one, but I, I know the one that Sam is talking about. And there is a picture of, of uh, Babe Ruth with John McGraw uh, from 1923. And uh, Babe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, uh, Babe's got on a, a Giants uniform of the time with the, the NY monogram on his chest. And, yes, that's uh, the one the, I have, but it's not with Ruth. And, 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 the, and the white, the white <laughs> socks, which, of course, it's a black and white picture, but the white socks with uh, the red and blue stripes. I, yeah, I know that picture. The picture that I found on the Internet is Ruth, Dunn, and Bentley. Dunn was supposedly his, the guy that got him out of the boys' home, and Bentley was another pitcher. If you, yeah, it was a picture with the Giants. You get it online. If you Google Babe Ruth in a New York Giants uniform, that's the one that pops up. Right. If you can you know, email me that other one, I'd love to see that one with the McGraw. Because well, McGraw couldn't uh, I'm, stand I'm not him. Sure why hated Ruth. I'm not sure why it, it's not working for you, but if you type in Babe Ruth New York Giants for me, the first photo that comes up is him next to John McGraw, and it's a, it's a remarkable photo um, because, you know, they're, they're both obviously... It's just funny how nobody ever smiled back in the day, but, you know, they certainly hated each other. Yeah. I can understand why. Yeah, they did. John and McGraw didn't other. like the Yankees, so... Right, no, right. he didn't. So, he did not uh, like the Yankees. Just, I mean, um, I mean that but series, this is I remember... You would, you would never see right, something like this. No, it's okay. You'd never see something like this and nowadays where all of a sudden, just for one exhibition game, a member of another team would be in a uniform of, of, of the crosstown rival of all people, too. Especially since McGraw didn't even go into the Yankee clubhouse during one of the World Series. He had them change the polo grounds, and they either walked or they took a bus across the bridge. He wanted nothing to do with the new Yankee Stadium. Um, this, this, that's why this is so amazing that it actually happened. But like you said yesterday, now we got Ruth in three uniforms. Ruth, Ruth three New York three uniforms. New York uniforms. And yeah, obviously absolutely. he w- he didn't uh, last long enough to get into a Mets uniform to round the, the, the no, uh, no, to round no, it no, out. No, no, no. Sam, now, I have I a question get back for to you. Rich. Yes, please. 
while you were at the games in San Francisco, obviously in a section of New York Mets fans, uh, how were you treated by the Giant fans? We were we were treated fine. Uh, no nobody was really. I mean, you know, you had your your uh, scattered in the section, and they were, uh, you know, f- you know, funnily giving us, you know, ribbing us. Uh, I I wouldn't really say that that anybody was uh, um, showed any animosity towards us. You know, it, it certainly we were we were loud and we had a lead for the majority of the game, as we did at, at many points during the entire series. We had a lead in every. Every game of the series, uh, but excuse me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I, uh, I would say the Giants fans were, were very gracious. Uh, you guys are worse, as I said, on the road. I mean, you guys you guys are, are extremely annoying on the road just because of. I mean, I love your passion, and I, I love the kind of passion that the, the. It's a great baseball atmosphere out here, um, and uh, but but you guys, you know. Uh, especially more than if you really want to compare the two franchises, the Dodgers and the Giants, uh, you know, I certainly see Dodger fans come out to City Field, but you guys travel in groups. I mean, you guys are, are, are five to eight, uh, um, generally speaking, and, and if not, you know, the, the two people who come to the stadium at City Field either find the, uh, the big groups and, and, and just, you know, link up like I did Saturday night. Well, a lot of it has to do with the fact there's less anger at the Giants moving than there is at the Dodgers, even when they move. And now, of course, the two World Series right. championships, all of a sudden they came out of the woodwork. I mean, you know, these are people that, gee, you used to root for that team. Maybe I'll start rooting for them again. You have some, I'm sure you have some of that. <laughs> Did you see the Eddie yeah, Grant plaque? Oh, you very plaque definitely have that. Sure. I know. Did you see the Eddie Grant plaque while you were there? No, Sam? but it, this is inside the, this is inside now, the wait, stadium. Now, wait, are you still, or... you're still, in, you're still in San Francisco, right? Right, so here, here's a little, uh, just a little update for everybody who thinks I'm going to be outside of AT&T Park today. Unfortunately, I had some issues with the uh, the, wire, the portable wireless, so I, I won't be able to do this podcast from outside the ballpark like I did last time. But well, are you uh, where is that stadium now? Is that plaque out no? Yeah, my mom uh, lives a block away in, in the uh, apartment building right across the street, if basically, you right across the street. Today, on if you have any time, you're flying back tonight, if I remember? No, I'm flying back tomorrow. We're going to Alcatraz. Today. Oh, well, if you get back to the ballpark for any reason, see if you can get a, go to see the Eddie Grant plaque, which is not far from Marischal's statue, not far from where you took that great photo of the New York Giants years. So Eddie it's Grant outside is the, the one ballpark. That died in World War I. It's outside. It's, it's a replica now because they never found the original one. Somehow, and I can't <laughs> understand how that got swiped with cops all over the polar ground. And this is not a little plaque. It's really a huge thing. But they put up a replica a number of years ago, and it's right outside the ballpark. That'd be a great picture if you add to your collection. Definitely, I'll have to check that out. Now, I want to get yeah. back to uh, to Rich and, and some of your baseball history. Uh, if, if you could talk about, I know that you said you had a, a vivid memory even when you were really young. Um, so tell us some uh, some baseball memories you have, and if possible, before the Giants left. Oh, certainly. Um, fortunately for me, because I was only five years old. Uh, my dad took me to my first Giant Games uh, in 1957, their last year. Uh, we never talked about it, but I think in part because uh, the first game we went to was in May. Um, I don't remember the specific date, but it was in May, uh, early in the season, against Brooklyn, naturally. Um, and uh, the next game we went to was in September. 
after it had been announced by Horace Stoneham that the team was, was leaving for San Francisco. And it, it was the last uh, Brooklyn and Giants game played at the, the Polo Grounds uh, sometime in early September. And, um, you know, at such a young age, I don't remember a whole lot of details, uh, but I remember both days we went to were uh, absolutely beautiful. And as I had told, uh, uh, I think you earlier and, and Steve, both, um, it seemed as if every game we went to was gorgeous weather. It could be 95 degrees and 90% humidity in the days prior to, but the day we would go to the game, it would be 75 and not a cloud in the sky. Uh, and, and I think that's in part what helped uh, create uh, the fond memories of uh, the polo grounds and the Giants. But... Uh, uh, obviously, even at five, I could sense the intensity between the fans, um, the Brooklyn fans and the Giants fans, uh, and some of some of the the humor uh, or the comments could be could be pretty rough, pretty coarse, but not not vicious like some of the stuff today. And uh, mm. certainly, there was I, I, there was never any fear about. Uh, something breaking down into fist fights or beer throwing or some of that stuff. Um, the, the two fans, the, the two sets of fans would would rib each other, but it was it was pretty much in good nature. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I remember the most was after uh, the game, my dad taking me down on the field because. Uh, Sam, if you will recall, and Steve, you know, uh, you could sure. exit the polo grounds underneath the center field clubhouse. So my dad made it a, made it a point to take me down onto the field and and uh, out into the outfield. And the first place we went was the 315-foot sign in left field uh, over which Bobby Thompson's home run went. So my dad uh, uh, took me there first. He took me out to the uh, bullpens. Uh, out into center field because he, he absolutely, uh, uh, second only to Mel Ott, he absolutely loved Willie Mays. Um, so he wanted to show me where where Willie patrolled. And, and we, we did a general tour of of uh, the outfield of the polo grounds. And even at five years old, I remember that absolutely vividly. And then we repeated it when the Giants came back into town in 1962 uh, when, when the Mets were formed. We went the very first weekend that that uh, the Giants came into town, and it was on the Sunday. And, again, we had gorgeous weather. Juan Marichal pitched, which was uh, typical, uh, not by design, but just by chance. Most Giant games that we went to in New York, Marichal pitched. I mean, how lucky <laughs> can you get? Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And here, uh, the, the first series back in New York, and it was almost as if the Giants were – were the home team still, as I had mentioned. Uh, I, I watched Willie Mays hit a, hit a home run off the facade of the roof, and, and the crowd go absolutely nuts. Uh, and again, my dad took me down onto the field, and, and we went through through uh, uh, everything again. And things were, were quite casual in those days. Uh, security, uh, the ushers were not – you couldn't go on the infield, but they, they weren't quick to shoo you off the field. Uh, my, my dad and I, we brought a baseball with us and just with our bare hands to toss the ball around in the outfield and in the bullpen. And, uh, I mean, how much better does it get uh, when, when you're five years old in 1957 and, and uh, ten years old later on? Um, 
And, and one other thing I remember very distinctly was a night game. This was, again, in 1962 in July. We were seated uh, generally behind the Giants' dugout on the third base side and watching that yellow glowing full moon, and Steve, you remember, may remember this too, come up from behind the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just, it just created an atmosphere in the, in the ballpark that was, was absolutely wonderful. And I know I've, I've seen descriptions of the polo grounds as decrepit or out of date or broken down. You know what? As a kid, I don't remember that at all. I mean, I remember it being old, but as I, as I reflected on it as I got older, to me it was more, um, it wasn't old. It was, it was saturated with a deep history of, of meaningful baseball, you know, from, from the 1890s through to uh, the early 1960s. And uh, even at 11 years old, I was very sorry to, to see the stadium taken down. You know what, Rich? You know, it's still, it's still... from that same area. We never saw parks like that. You got in there, and like you always tell me, the first thing you saw was that green grass, the smell. We oh, got yeah. used to that. You know, we had schoolyards, we had parks, but nothing, nothing like that. But if you fast forward to Resner's tape, and you see the condition of the polo ground, yeah, they, left, and, you know, they just let it go. Well, in the last years when their attendance was yeah, not very good. And, that, and my even family after, accepted the fact they had to move, too, because the attendance was so low. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, whereas, fact, whereas the Dodgers attend, the Dodgers attended at the time where it was, I, I believe, even greater than the Yankees. They were, they were, or they were, I think they were the most profitable team in all of baseball at the time. Um, well, yeah, that that way, no, that, that, may that, be true. The game you mentioned, the game you mentioned, uh, the Dodger Giant game, the, the September twenty second, fifty seven. There's a, uh, I have the audio of that one, but I have it on cassette. And I do too. In classics, well, then you know, in classic style, every inning he's talking about. The Pope visit, the fight, the Fordham, Fordham football games, and then I love that piece. It must have been the sixth inning. Mr. Drysdale meet Mr. Mays, and the next pitch he hits for a triple. It's like he knew it was coming. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've got that uh, tape uh, also three, from three uh, John three Miley. Yeah, absolutely. John Miley. Now, '62. I'm pretty sure the Friday night game that weekend you were there on Sunday. The Friday night game. I'm pretty sure that McCovey hit a home run over each roof. He did. First came, yeah, that, first came back. that was the Giants' he first did. game back in New York, and you're right. Homer over each roof. And if you go to McCovey's, would have been another place for you to go to, Sam, uh, McCovey's Restaurant in Walnut Creek, which is a nice ride on Bart. One of the sayings up there, he's got a whole bunch of sayings. Is yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry, saying. hold on. Be, before, before you continue, Steve, that is, that is Willie McCovey's actual, like the, the person Willie McCovey, or is it it's just called McCovey's Restaurant, or does he own it? It's, it's his restaurant, McCovey's Restaurant. I mean, I don't, I, you know, he may not own it, but it's his restaurant. And it's got unbelievable okay. memorabilia. And there are signs all around, you know, quotes. And there's one by Stengel, where should I play Mr. McCovey, over the right field wall or over the left field wall, which was probably in the Daily News or something <laughs> the Saturday morning after he hit the home run. I should have mentioned to you to take a ride over to McCovey's restaurant because you would have really enjoyed that. Uh, a lot more up, you know, uh, modern, uh, modern we, we memory. Well, we did time. go to Walnut Creek uh, uh, last time we were here in February. Oh, yeah, well, he's visit some, uh, visit some family. It's a, it's a great place. It's a hamburger place, but it's very, very nice. It's uh, cl- you ever, That's Rich, great. have you ever been there? No, I have not. Oh, okay, okay. But, but, uh, Steve, Steve, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 19, 1962 was not the the first time the the Giants returned for a baseball game in New York. 
They played an exhibition game. night game. Yep, night game. They played I an exhibition there, game at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, night game. I have there's a there's a great picture in eight by ten black and white that I have of Mantle, Mays, and Maris, and it's dark. Hello. And you give that picture to people, they'll never know what it's where it is because there's no night work. Hello. It's that it's that game. Now, yep. Now we have we Mayor's have a trophy. caller, and I, I believe it's uh, Mr. Mo Resner. Is is this correct? Is this Mo? You're right. It's me. I'm on. How are you? <laughs> Mo, welcome. Everybody, this is <laughs> Mo Resner. He, he is a, a friend of the Bedford and Sullivan podcast and, of course, of the New York Giants Preservation Society. And uh, he, he got a, a video, a video, excuse me, he got film of the last game at the Apollo Grounds uh, for the Giants in 1957. And uh, it's always a, a pleasure to welcome Mo to the podcast. Mo, join us. Welcome. Thanks. Good to be, I'm a little late, but I'm happy to be here. Oh no, no, that's 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 all good. Uh, how you been, Mo? What, what's going on right now? Everything is fine. My baseball season is on. We're ten and zero. We've got good prospects, and I'm having fun. Now, now where hey, are Rich, you right uh, now, Mo? Right now, in my office at home. Okay, okay. I I, I hear uh, some some. Um, it sounded like you were uh, outside, maybe at a ball game right now. But I am. No, I that, am. That, I'm at a senior softball game. Oh, that's my Steve. That's, okay. why, that's why I'm here. Sam, I got to ask you a question. You want to? I have a sure. Brooklyn Dodger fan. Not too far from where I am. You want him on for a minute or two, or no? Uh, if he wanted to join, he, he's a Dodger fan that with uh, that goes all well, the way back. Well, he's an old. He's, an, he's a Brooklyn guy. Great. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you could have him call in by all means. No, I mean, I would put What's him on my name? phone rather than have him call him. He's just sitting oh, in the yeah, that's me. fine then. But uh, absolutely, you can, you can. What's his name? His name is Art Stackpole. Art Stackpole. Get him no, you didn't do okay. anything wrong. Well, I'm, on a, uh, I'm on a live radio podcast about the Giants, but it's, it's basically about Brooklyn and New York, so I said my friend Art's a Brooklyn fan. Hold on a second, hold on. Doesn't matter. No trivia. It's a, it's a radio show. Oh, how you Sam, doing? Guys. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Art, welcome to the uh, Ben yes. Sullivan podcast. Thanks for joining us. Ah, no problem. Okay, now, now uh, the oh, first thing, uh, the first thing I, I, we always ask uh, the, the first-time guest is give us your general history and your baseball history. My baseball history. Well, I was born in Brooklyn, so I was a Brooklyn Dodger fan growing up all my life. Rooted from the Dodgers from uh, up until the time they left. But when they went out to LA, stopped rooting for them. Now I'm a Diamondback fan. I moved out to Arizona. I was a Mets fan too from 1962 when they came into town until uh, I left New York 14 years ago. And now uh, I'm out in Arizona 14 years, and I root for the time packs. Go to about 30, 40 games a year, love the game, and I play softball five days a week. So that's my baseball history. <laughs> yeah, that's that's generally what you hear with uh, Dodger fans, is that they, you know, they give up the Dodgers when they when they left, and then they became Mets fans. That's correct. Yeah, I had a couple of years where I didn't have a team to root for. But I was really aggravated they left because, you know, right after they won the series and the next thing you know, they're gone, they go out to California. And I met at the Giants, so, too. And, and this guy still moves for the Giants. This guy, Steve, that you just talked to. <laughs> He's still a Giant fan. I can't do that. The Brooklyn Bums are not the same as the Brooklyn Dodgers. Right. Teams. Well, let me let me ask you what you uh, what you remember about either your first ball game or some of your earliest uh, memories of uh, ball games in Brooklyn. Well, I mean, I used to go to Evansville constantly. We we used to play hooky from school and go there. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> but anyway, you can bleep that out. But we used to go to Dodger games all the time, my buddy and I. And we actually got to meet a lot. In those days, you got to meet the ball players. You know what I mean? It was like 
you got to be friends with them. It wasn't just that they were ball players and they hopped in a car and drove away from the ballpark. We actually got to talk to Pee Wee Reese and Gil Hodges and Duke Snyder and all those guys. I had autographs for the team. It was so simple to get autographs back in those days. And I, I do remember a time that I climbed up. I don't know if you knew Ebbets Field at all, but they had these. It was like a school where you could climb up on a thing and look in the window. And I was actually watching the Dodgers, like Reese and Perillo and those guys. They were taking showers, and I was talking to them. And I said, when you come out, could you give me an autograph? And Pee Wee said to me, what's your name? And I said, Artie, and my buddy's name is Charlie. So when I come out, I'm going to come out and give you an autograph. And, that was, and that's the way it was back then. Now, when I came out here to Arizona, the Diamondbacks were almost the same as that. I, unfortunately, many years, there was times I went to the ball games where the ball players didn't want to have anything to do with you. They wouldn't bother with you. But out here, the Diamondbacks are a fan-friendly club. They do. They give autographs. They talk to the fans. We met Luis Gonzalez on several occasions personally and talked to him. And, and a lot of the ball players, Steve Finley, when he was here. And uh, they're just really nice nice people. It's a good, it's a good organization. I really like it. I'm, so, I'm, I'm glad it. to hear that. It, 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 does, it does seem like, like a pleasant atmosphere out there uh, in Phoenix. I've been there, but uh, just haven't watched uh, – you know, uh, watch you win a World Series for one. That that was uh, that was pretty outstanding. I know it was my that uh, was my first full year out here. I moved out in September of 2000, and the Mets and the Yankees were playing in that World Series, and the Yankees won. And then uh, we came when we rooted for the Diamondbacks the next year, and they won the World Series. They beat the Yankees. Which I, I got to say this: I'm from New York. I hate the Yankees because being a Dodger fan. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I root for everybody to beat them, but the Diamondbacks beat them. We were so thrilled. And you know, we're doing pretty good now. We started out pretty bad this year, but they're coming on strong. They're bringing up some of these rookies. They do not. They're doing very well. They need a little bit of pitching, but they're doing pretty good. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I hope for your sake, you, you, guys yeah. were, you guys were rather pitiful at the beginning of the season, and um, it looks like maybe it switched a little bit. The Mets uh, had a 15-11 and 11 record after April and then have uh, collapsed since. And I, I hope my – I hope my uh, – my, Manager Terry Collins gets fired at some point. Wally Backman, who, uh, as a Diamondbacks fan, you obviously know Wally Backman. Uh, I hope that he gets ousted at some point and, and uh, Wally Backman gets brought up. But we don't want to talk too yeah. much about the Mets. Let me let me ask you let me ask you about Brooklyn. Where are you from in yeah. Brooklyn? I was born in Flatbush. I was on Coney Island Avenue, right off King's Highway, in that area. And uh, you know, and it, it was a great place to go up. And I really, you know, back in those days, it was a fantastic place to go. And uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And it was, great. and it was like I said, it was great room for the Dodgers and going to the ballpark and uh, just everything about it. It was a great place to live. And you know what? It's and now I'm in my senior years. I'm out here in Arizona. It's the same thing because we got all the four major sports, and of course, baseball is my favorite. But uh, you know, it's just a great place to live. And I love the fact that we have a dome, by the way. And I'm really shocked at the Yankees and the Mexico stadiums. And I know they don't have some of the problems we have here, but it's still nice to have that roof that you can retract and open up when it's nice out and close it when it's not nice out and not have rain out. So, yeah. anyways, you know, I would agree I with you. It. I have many problems. I have many problems with both ballparks. Now, before I let you go, if you could yeah. tell us uh, some stories of, about about the uh, the Giants at Ebbets Field. Yeah. Well, you know, you I, I, like I said, I didn't do much rooting. I didn't do much rooting for the Giants, so I, I, I don't. Steve's the experts on the Giants. Oh, yeah, is he a Giants fan? Right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You, you want to get on? I got another guy here that's a Giant fan. So I don't. Uh, I was a Giants well, fan. Oh, wait, wait, Artie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. No, Artie, Artie, I, 
Yeah. What I was curious about was the Dodger fans' perspective of the Giants at Ebbets Field. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I to me, I, I like I said, I, I never root for the Giants. I didn't like having them there. I didn't like when they came to play. I rooted against them. I, you know, it's I was pure Dodger. That's it. I, anybody else who played the Dodgers, I couldn't stand. I mean, they were a New York team, but I couldn't root for them. I'm sorry. I couldn't root for the Yankees. Couldn't root for the Giants. <laughs> Rooted only for the Dodgers. That was it. The Giants were our enemies. You know what I mean? Especially, of wait a minute. I just, of course. You just brought back one memory to me. Bobby Thompson's okay. home run. I, I was playing in the schoolyard. <laughs> the Dodgers were winning. I think it was 5-2, to two, if I remember correctly. And I go home. And my sister, my, oh, it was a 4-1. to one. Okay, you're correct. And, and my sister rooted for every team that I, if I rooted for a team, she rooted against it. And I come home, and we had a little 14-inch TV. And I'll never forget when he hit that home run. When he hit that home run, it broke my heart. And my sister was there screaming, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget, the Giants win, the Giants win, the Giants. And, I, I, you know, it burned a hole in my heart. And I, I couldn't believe it. Ralph Frank, I saw him on the steps crying, and I said, oh, my God, that was ruined. What a, what a shame. What a shame. That was my memory of the Giants. So that's why I hate the Giants. Well, anyway, hold, here's course, another guy yeah. wants to get on. Uh, thanks, Artie. Hello, Sam. Who is this? Hello. I- introduce yourself, sir. Uh, my name's uh, Butch Rizoff. How you doing, Butch? Nice to my my uh, father's name. Uh, my father's nickname growing up was Butch. <laughs> okay. Well, the real name is Michael, but uh, I go by Butch. For many, one, many Butch. years. Well, t- well, tell us about <laughs> tell us about your Giants fandom. Well, no, I wasn't a Giants fan. I was also a Brooklyn Dodger fan. And, oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I have my, my mistake. Yeah, well, Steve's the only Giants fan I know <laughs> from way back. <laughs> but uh, used to go to used to go to Ebbets Field. Uh, I used to play ball when I was a kid. I lived in New Jersey, and we were only about 40 minutes away. We used to take the, the little train and the ferry and then the subway to get to Ebbets Field, and it was just... Uh, it was a great, you know, in those days you were safe traveling by yourself. And uh, so we used to go, and it was a, it was a good childhood. Baseball was good in those now, days. Now, what, what town are you know, from in Jersey? Uh, I grew up in Plainfield. Okay. And, now, uh, now we, have, um, we have Rich Rogers on, who's a member of the New York Giants Preservation Society. He's uh, from Jersey. Uh, where did you say you were from again in Jersey, Rich? Well, in fact, I was born in Plainfield also, but uh, I was born and raised in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, which was about uh, 25 miles west of New York City. Yeah, that was right the next city from uh, Plainfield where we were born. That's Probably correct. Born it was right next to Plainfield. Yep, yep. And that was, uh, that was a couple of years ago. You know, <laughs> yes, remember, it was. Do you remember Happy Selfie? <laughs> Happy Selton gang? Oh, well, I remember them, but they, they were the Dodgers, and as much as I was, uh, as much as uh, you guys didn't like the Giants, we didn't like the Dodgers. Yeah, I understand. I remember, I remember once asking my dad how come he never went to Ebbets Field, and his reaction was, are you kidding me? Why would I go there? <laughs> well, it wasn't bad. You know, you would go get a subway and walk a couple of blocks and then get in there, and when you were kids, you felt safe and... It was great. Well, this Happy Felton was, uh, he was a fellow that, uh, he must have weighed 300 pounds. Now, I probably was 12, 13 years old then, but, 
out in the right field bullpen. He used to have these contests, throwing the ball and catching the ball, and and they asked questions, and I don't know how I won it, but uh, I ended up winning a Benra Citation Watch. I'll never forget that. And uh, that's gone back many years, but, uh, you know, the Dodgers, well, they well, were uh, my team. Uh, Butch, we're going to have to have, we're going to have to have you and, and, uh, and Artie and some other Giants fans on uh, on as well for uh, for for just you know a roundtable about uh, Brooklyn and, and uh, the Dodgers at some point. Uh, so I uh, yeah, very I'm much gonna... appreciate you 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 coming on and, and giving. Uh, I appreciate you putting you on. So thank you very much for for uh, giving us a little Dodgers on this uh, episode. 54. Well, fine, that's fine. It's just you know you just go back. That's when baseball was was baseball. You know it wasn't a real business in those days. Guys played, you know, just to the fun of it. And I do miss it, but uh, that's how it goes. Okay, guys? Yeah. It's been very nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too, Bush. Thank you for coming on. Okay, you take care now. Hello? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was uh, th- those were some excellent uh, Dodger stories, and, and I told them that we're going to have to have them on for a, a Dodgers roundtable coming up. Um, I, I guess we we lost Steve. Everybody, uh, we still we still have Mo Rich I'm though. Still here. I know. Yeah, we, I'm we, we're on. glad, Mo. Uh, well, we we uh, we have about fifteen minutes left, um, and. Um, so I'd like to, uh, since we got Mo on, uh, I, I always like uh, hearing some some old stories about going to the ball ball club. You know, we've heard we've uh, we've obviously heard about your um, uh, video, Mo. Uh, if there's any other memory of, of going to the Polo Grounds, and I know you're a Cubs fan, uh, I, I'd love to hear some of your Cubs memories uh, from back in the day. Well, you go back in the day and up to yesterday. Uh, when I caught Lenny Marillo's <laughs> foul ball in 1944, it took 30 years, and we became very, very close friends. And we spoke the other day. He was 97 two weeks ago. And uh, he's in, been invited to Ridley Field. He's the only survivor of the 1945 ball club that won the pennant. I don't know whether he could make it or not. But if he does, I'm going with him. So uh, that's my that's my memory. Uh, and if he can't make it, I'm going to have to go and visit him in Massachusetts, where he lives. I look mm. forward to that. So he represents. I know. The, my I, you know, they're 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 celebrating the um, uh, the 100th anniversary of Wrigley Field, so they're doing a lot of that right. stuff right now. And it, it's right. nice to see. Uh, and, and they're you know having just come off of a. A sweep at their hands. Uh, <laughs> oh my God! But uh, You're not going anywhere. coming off of a sweep, I'll I'll tell you. They, I think I'm fairly certain. I know other people might uh, might disagree with me, but they seem to have a good young team going. They have a young team going, but they're, they're re- the only rebuilding that they will do will be of Wrigley Field itself, because when you have a decent pitching staff and you need hitting. And you're willing to give away their top pitchers some margin for more rookies. The whole thing is stupid. The only reason why they're giving away some margin is to save on a long-term contract. 
So the Cubs are interested in making money and not making a world championship. And that's why I well, I, I, can't I just opened up a can of worms anymore. apparently, Rich. Huh? No, I said I opened up a can of worms, Rich. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm daring them to do good. They're not going to do good. In the meantime, my rebirth is with the Giants, and they are ten games in first place, and they're they're going to win the whole thing again. So hey, they could. And uh, Rich, right now, the the top two teams in baseball are the Bay Area. Yeah, you're right. The uh, Oakland A's and, and the Giants, and as Steve mentioned earlier, and, and you acknowledge, I mean, the Giants are just sizzling hot right now, and uh, I keep waiting for the the bubble to burst. But but uh, perhaps even if it does, uh, neither the Dodgers or the Rockies seem to be able to get their act together. At least now, so they're far. Not, yeah, they're, Is not that, gonna, they're not going to blow sure. up. And, uh, and, and even if the Giants stumble, I'm not sure those other two teams are are potent enough to to catch them at this point. But well, I don't want to jinx the Giants, so we'll see. Well, like I said, though, uh, you know, we had leads in every game uh, against the Giants, and the New York Mets did. And, um, you know, I, it, this, this past series, this, these past three games were a perfect example of how uh, winning teams find, do the little things and find ways to win, whereas the That's Mets, very you know, true. Losing, teams fi- losing teams find ways to lose. And, and yep. so – you know, because you, you could every losing team, you could point to a, a group of 20 games that would have swung the other way, where they they would have been a winning team. And uh, right now, right the now, the way they're going, we're, we're having too many. The, the way the Giants are going, they are toughest in the last three innings of the game. And it's right. just as I sent an I sent an email to Ed Logan, who you know, and to Steve. And to Gary Mintz, uh, also of the Preservation who, Society. Who, by the way, I, I just want to state, I believe we have Gary on. Gary, do we have you on? Hey, Sam, how are you guys doing? Hey, we're, we're all doing very been, well. Uh, I just uh, want to say, what, what was, enjoy, enjoying the show, and uh, I just want to thank Rich for uh, adding some luster to our uh, Facebook page with tremendous photos he's been sending us, which we get a lot of uh positive feedback on from people who uh, either are joining the organization or just, you know, decided to like us on Facebook. So, Rich, I thank you. Well, you are certainly very welcome, and anything I come across uh, I like to share with the group. But uh, uh, as I, to finish my thought, as I had mentioned to Gary and Steve and to Ed, uh, this current Giants team, they just refuse to lose. And they get very, very tough in the last innings of a game. And uh, I hope they can keep it up for the balance of the year. Well, it's very obvious that, uh, yeah, he's been tremendous. The the players on the team right now, you can see in the dugout, they really enjoy playing with each other on the field. And uh, got great camaraderie on the team. Um, I I think they're going to keep going. I mean, they're not going to keep up a 667 pace, but, um, you know, everybody's waiting for the shoe to drop. You know what? Maybe the shoe won't drop. I think uh, they could add a, a few reinforcements and uh, see what happens. And certainly they're in a certainly better position than the Rockies or the Dodgers, and I wouldn't trade those positions. So I, I, I'm ready to go to war with the team. That's for sure. And chemistry does matter. Pe- people will write that chemistry on a team doesn't matter. It does matter. So, And, and I'm so glad to see that the Giants have that very positive uh, uh, chemistry amongst themselves, and it shows on the field. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I don't like, think like it got started yet because Scooter Row is still out. Sandoval just got started. Posey is going to hit 20 uh, points higher. And I tell you, it's going to keep getting better, not worse. Yeah, they're, they're uh, actually like the having the success three. they are without without Buster Posey. I was amazed to read uh, the other day that Posey's got uh, 12 extra base hits for the entire year. Yeah, he didn't get started yet. No. I think Sam. What Sam you, you, I think Sam, what Sam said was really uh, was very correct. Michael Morse makes such a big difference in that lineup. There's a, there's a fear different. factor of somebody hitting a a two or a three run homer. The guy's got immense power. You know, he was compared to Pat Burrell, which I totally disagree with. Michael Morse is a 275, 280 hitter. He doesn't strike yep. out like Burrell. He's, he's a much better player than him, and yeah. he's healthy. Well, I mean, he's a clutch player. He's a two-out run producer. And they, they yeah, are right. old in the major league. I, 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 keep, I keep bringing up the, the Mets just as the contrast to what you guys are talking about. Right now, uh, you know, David Wright, got his first day off on Sunday. And, and what you heard from uh, – what, what you're hearing from the clubhouse and, and the way uh, uh, Terry Collins is – I mean, he's always been a fickle manager. And, and, Gary, I think more than anybody, you can – you know uh, about the Mets more than anybody because you're a local boy. Uh, <laughs> you're, a local, you're a local guy right now. But um, I, I think with Terry Collins, you know, you're hearing like David Wright uh, uh, saying something like, I don't know, he – you know, I'm not the manager. Go ask him. Like when you start hearing like things like that, and 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 trying not a healthy like, situation. I, I can't, I, I, it's not a healthy situation. You, you know, it, it's I, I I think that Terry Collins' days are numbered. I, 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 I you know I know you're concerned that you're never going to see something here. I, you know, I don't know if they're doing the right things, but as far as the pitching goes. It was time to get rid of, you know, all these retreads, Alverde and Fonsworth. Better off yeah. sticking those young guys in. Let, you know, let them feel their way through. And then the Mets got to spend money to get some legitimate players. David Wright should not be the number one option on the team. He'd be terrific as a number two guy. They, they, they waste more money than, you know, with this Chris Young. and It's just wasting money. You spend your money now, wisely. Grand, you know, Granderson, Granderson, however, I, I think that, uh, you know, people are still saying we're getting nothing from him, but he was batting 136 after the first month, and I think you had two factors with Curtis Granderson. He, he played like 68 games last year, and he was on a new ball club across town. And so I think that there was he was trying to get uh, his feet under him, and, and now he's batting about 216, I believe, after yesterday's three-hit day. So right. you know you're looking at the power you're looking at the power numbers. He has eight home runs right now. The the RBIs are creeping up there, and he's leading the team in walks. He's an unbelievable defender, and he's fantastic with the fans. He obviously knows how to how to try to win over a, a new fan base when he, he's he's the only player I've ever seen behind home plate when he's in the on deck circle. Literally put his his fist up to the fence and give every kid who comes to get a fist pound a fist pound. And I, you don't right. even see David Wright doing that, even though David Wright's great with the fan base. So uh, I think, you know, where Mets fans are complaining about Curtis, that's just one other thing to complain about. He's a professional. Uh, we knew that we were not going to get a batting average out, out of him, but we, he certainly is a professional ball player and brings a lot to the table. I, I hey think guys, the fans, have, uh, they, the fans have the trouble with the 200 strikeouts. I think that's more than anything. And when yeah, they're not producing that, that well... You know that that that's the killer with him. 
all that stuff you said about the fan, you know, how nice he is. They said that when he was on the Yankees. Um, you know, he, he is what he is. If they had some better players around him and he was, wasn't batting clean up, I, I think the Mets would be in a much better situation. Well, what is Chris Young doing batting fifth behind him? I mean, he he was lucky to get three hits with Chris Young batting fifth behind him. Chris Young is not he, doing well. He's I another strikeout. Well. He, yeah, he's another strikeout machine. They have to justify that paying him $7 million a year by putting him in the lineup. He's an extra outfielder on a good team. And, you know, uh, he certainly wouldn't be playing in, on a lot of teams. I mean, the Diamondbacks, Jets added him. The Athletics, you know, got rid of him. You know, there's a reason. He's, he's not that good. Right, exactly. Now, Mo, you were going to say something. Yeah, I want to make sure who's going to be at the uh, at the Giants Preservation next Tuesday. Tuesday oh, yeah, Gary, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and plug, why don't you go ahead yeah, and plug, absolutely. Uh, we're plug having, a little bit of the society. Uh, the Hall of Fame uh, sports writer Bill Madden is going to be coming to the Jay Goldberg's Bergino Clubhouse, which is in uh, Greenwich Village. Fabulous baseball boutique. Uh, Bill uh, Madden wrote a book recently uh, called 1954. It's about uh, uh, African Americans and the troubles they had in, in the league back then. A lot is on Willie Mays, and it's also you know the 60th anniversary of the Giants winning their last World Series in New York. So uh, and we have and over 40. And fittingly, I was going to say, Gary, that fittingly this is episode number 54. That's correct, and we have, uh, you know, going to be a full house there. We have over 40 guests who have RSVP saying they're coming. So um, any of the listeners, if you uh, have uh, would like to come, just uh, contact the New York Giants Preservation Society.com, and uh, we'd love for you to join up with us. Hey, Sam, will you be there? There you go. Mo, I'm hoping to be there. I need to work out my my new work schedule because I just got a, a new job at Two Boots to plug Two Boots. They're I big Mets fans as well, so they they I know. they uh they you know they they certainly have uh, somewhat of a conversation to be had on a baseball uh, historical baseball podcast. But still, um, if, for those of you who don't know about Two Boots Pizza, uh, they are uh, a fantastic pizzeria in New York City uh, from the Lower East Side, and and uh, you can. Uh, a lot of their their style and the, just their presentation is very Lower East Side, and, and with their folk art and and just the style of of um, uh, of eatery, and uh, it's unbelievable. The, the, it's unbelievable pizza. The two boots comes from uh, Italy uh, and Louisiana, and so you have those two flavors combined, and, and it just gives uh, for a very uh, delicious slice. And they also have some specialty slices. Uh, with names like the Night Tripper, the Bird, Mr. Pink, the Dude, the Newman, uh, all these, all these amazing, uh, amazing slices uh, that that are that are unique to Two Boots. So go to www.twoboots.com and check out uh, what is now my new home. Anyway, guys, we we are we are we are almost done with uh, the the Bedford and Sullivan podcast and. Um, uh, unfortunately, we lost Steve there. I, I guess he thought we had uh, we had hung up or something. But um, I will. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go around uh, the table for a last word. This is what uh, we do a lot of times on either this podcast or my next podcast. So I'm gonna start with uh, with you, Gary. Anything that you want to add to the the table? Go ahead. Uh, I guess I would say, don't wake me up. I'm dreaming this season. It's been very relaxing and. Uh, I'll be at my television today at 10:15, watching and staying up till one, 
one 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 thirty. Hopefully, going to sleep in a good mood. Yeah, you guys are facing the Nationals. I unfortunately will not be able to uh, go there because I would certainly root for the the Giants in this situation. But uh, uh, Mo, how about you? What, what is your and last one other word thing, on Sam? One, one la- another yeah, last yeah. word, Sam, is that I appreciate everything you do to uh, keep the New York Giants in in people's minds, along with the Brooklyn Dodgers. It's stuff that should not be forgotten. Yeah. So thank you on behalf of us. And, and thank you for for being able to to you know have uh, have me present this to the to the world. So uh, we appreciate everything you do to keep the memory. Yeah, of course, Gary. Thank you. And Mo, how about you? What is your last word? My last word is I'm happy, I was happy to be on the program again, and uh, we have to get together soon. So. Maybe on Definitely. the seventeenth. Switch, hey Sam, switch that appointment. It's not as important as you think it is. You're gonna have to be a. <laughs> well, you know, it's gonna have to be a appointment. I, I, I really do, but it's less about the appointment and more about uh, settling into a new job. But thank you, Mo. I, I, I think <laughs> the Tuesday might allow me to, uh, to head over there, and uh, I'll go to Rich, Rich Rogers, uh, for the uh, his last word. A final quick polo ground story. My dad's twin brother, my Uncle Fred, caught Stan Musial's last home run at the polo grounds when the Giants were there in the upper deck and right field. Very oh, nice. wow. And, and gave the ball away. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's too bad, but it, de- it definitely great. makes uh, one hell of a story. So, uh, Rich, thank you very much for, uh, for joining, and you're welcome back anytime. Well, th- Sam, thank you very much for having me on. Deeply appreciated, and uh, uh, I listen to your show regularly. Thank you. And that is much appreciated. And I wish Steve was here uh, to give his last word, but unfortunately we will uh, just have to thank Steve Rothschild for not only bringing his uh, Giants perspective, but also getting some Dodger fans on the phone. So thank him for that. Uh, And that is the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. I am going to head out onto the town of San Francisco and – head out to the river, and uh, the river, excuse me, the bay, and go over to uh, Alcatraz. I've never been to Alcatraz, and I'm looking forward to that. So thanks, everybody, for joining us on this okay. Monday afternoon in uh, the East Coast and uh, the morning on the West Coast. Thank you very much, and take care. Thanks so okay, much. Bye. Bye-bye.